Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Okay, well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with David Henderson. Hi, everyone. And we are here to discuss, David, your sermon from this past Sunday, God's Self-Revelation, based on Exodus 24, verses 1 through 7. And we've been hanging out in Exodus for the past few weeks um, as a part of the Ascent sermon series, um, talking about God's invitation, his initiation of a relationship with humans, with humanity, with us in particular, um, and in this passage with Israelites in very particular. And, um, and so talking about God's word, his self-revelation. Um, and what do we think of when we think of the Bible? Well, I think uh, so often, uh, yeah, that's really the question. That was where we started off. Is, you know, what's, yeah. if, if you were to boil it down from your perspective, what would you say is, if you were to find a word, what's between those covers? What 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 is this and mm-hmm. and i think um one of the uh if if you were present you'll remember that the way i chose to um go after this passage was that i think it's so obvious what it says the bible is what it says is between these covers it's a bunch mm-hmm. of expectations it's a bunch of regulations it's a bunch of things you should do so the people of god their natural response is all right we're going to do it all Mm-hmm. And, um, but as I spent more time in the passages, like, no, wait a minute, this whole thing is the word of God, the description of how God gave these regulations and commandments, the description of the content, the description of his holiness and beauty and transcendence that in all of that. And mm. so I thought, um, I do think there is a reflex for us to think that the Bible is something we is just filled with lists of stuff we're supposed to do stuff we're supposed to obey and it certainly includes those things but so i was really just trying to shift our perspective a bit based on a wider view of what scripture is all about well one of the points one of the very visual points you made on sunday was the list of the 613 rules that the rabbis have pulled out of the old testament and you had Timmy come up and, and hold the one end of the, uh, and unroll this huge, long list. And somebody said, what font was that in? Size 50 or size? <laughs> it was a size 10 font with no spacing. And it was, I think when I got it down to 10 font, it was 24 pages taped together. Oh my um, goodness. Yeah, it just went on. I was surprised too, when I thought, that 613 is a lot. It is. It's a lot. And yet, uh, what I, I loved seeing all of, the, the, all of that paper, I love the point that that is only 2.5% of the Old Testament. That doesn't even include the New Testament. 2.5% of the Old Testament. Yeah. So even though there's all these rules and regulations it's still only a small part of scripture. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. And 
And then all of a sudden, I think that shifts dramatically the way we start to think about what God is up to and communicating to us. I mean, I do think it's such a, a an inherent sort of default setting for us with God mm-hmm. that it's about him saying, do this, or you're failing to do this. And it's about us saying, um, yeah, I'm failing to do it, or I'm scrambling to try to do it. it and that's the essence of our relationship with him, which is not a relationship. But, um, and this, I think the thing that's been so exciting for me as I've been hanging out in this passage of scripture, which I've often come back to over the years, but um, I'm seeing and experiencing in a whole new way is this, this story that in some ways seems so off-putting. God brings his people to Sinai and then there's earthquakes and there's and there's mm. thunderclouds and lightning and all this stuff. It's like fire. It seems like God is going out of his way to chase everybody away when in fact mm. he's doing just the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I think a similar dynamic comes here. You know, we we open the word and we think, what's he going to tell me to do that I'm failing to do? You know, that that's mm. kind of the default place of starting instead of, you know, this is a gift. This, all of this was preserved as gift at God's initiative for the sake of nurturing my relationship with him. And we need to know who he is and what he's like in order to have a relationship with him. But to Mm -hmm. see, to to see the scriptures is God doing this, just like the whole story of Mount Sinai. It's God doing this. Come draw near, come closer. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of um, Psalm 139. So yesterday Mm -hmm. and today, I was reading through Psalm 139 and yesterday's passage, it was, you know, my thoughts from afar, you know, me inside and out, you hem me in, you know, the, the beginning of the, of the, of the chapter. And then today in the, in the last half of the chapter, there's a line in there that says, how precious are your thoughts to me? Mm. Oh Lord. And I thought it, what a contrast that God knows me so well. He knows my, he, you know, he's far off. He can be far off and know exactly what I'm thinking. And yet the only way I know God's thoughts is through the Bible. And so of course, through what the, through what he chooses to reveal to me, that's how I know him. So of course his thoughts are very precious. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, yeah, I've been a follower of Christ for more than 40 years. And I, I should probably, if I were seeing clearly what this was and what was between these pages, I would probably gasp every time I picked it up. Mm-hmm. I'd probably run down the stairs every morning as I thought about the opportunity of opening it. This is incredible. The God of the universe has, by his spirit, has conspired over centuries to faithfully gather together this record of his dealings with humanity and his messages to humanity and these glimpses of himself he's given to humanity and then his, his own visit to humanity in the person mm. of Jesus. All of that has been so faithfully preserved for us. And we have it. We have mm-hmm. it to cling to and to draw strength from and to be encouraged by and to treasure. Mm. Yeah. And it's so easy because we have so many copies 
we have so we have so many copies available so many translations available it's easy for us to be like oh it's just another book mm-hmm. and not realize how fortunate we are yeah. um you know i mean even in the time of 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 the old testament or the new testament um you know just thinking about the israelites and they they had they were in God's presence and they did not have his word at that time. And so, um, yeah, so they just had such a small, they had a, they had an incredible revelation of who God is mm-hmm. with the earthquakes and the lapis lazuli. And, you know, they had an incredible vision and experience of his revelation, but it was a very narrow, not, yes it wasn't as full of a revelation as we have. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and was specific to them. It was their own experience, which makes the recording of scripture such an incredible gift for those of us who come along after. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually back to your, your point about um, how many copies and versions of the translations that, you know, the scriptures we have actually, one of the things that has really helped me over the years to, to have a fresh, appreciation of scripture as coming as being a gift coming from God is to find a new translation that is faithfully done that Mm. that faithfully is faithful to the doctrines that we affirm as evangelical Christians and um, does a faithful job with the text and doesn't monkey with the text like some do and and (laughs) then to be Thomas Jefferson's (laughs) right exactly not yeah not yeah exactly that's an extreme example but um but, but there are even some now that present themselves as translations that where they insert phrases that aren't there and, mm, and that, mm-hmm. you know, that sort of thing. But um, I think, uh, and even if you have studied a foreign language to be able to, even if you're clumsy at it and have a low, you know, kind of a low vocabulary, it's amazing how fresh it is uh, to be able to read it in a different translation or a different language. Mm. Uh, you just hear the whole thing differently. Um, hmm. So there are a number of different times when I've kind of shifted gears, gone to another one, and I still come back to favorite translations for different reasons. But um, yeah, yeah, I have to say, it, it, as I'm thinking about different translations, I'm like, I just tend to go back to the ones in which I've memorized verses, right? Because hmm. I'm like, I that's interesting. If I read a translation that is not the same as I've memorized it, I'm kind of like, I can't, I, I'm stumbling over these words because it's not what I know. That's funny, yeah. Um, which, which brings me back to the beginning of your sermon when the children came up and, and quoted scripture. I oh, just, fun. I loved that so much, hearing I them. Too. Yeah. And Eleanor and Silas and Hannah and Zoe and Harrison and Charity. It was so fun to, to see how each of them had been intentional to tuck scripture away in their memory and what a valuable gift for themselves that is Mm -hmm. investment of that yeah absolutely absolutely and i know when i came of age i it was right when you know when i was a child when i was little i was memorizing in king james version and then the niv came out and it was like a revelation and and Mm -hmm. And, and then 
new American standard. And then it was like, well, what do I memorize then? Do I memorize, you know, so then that, but the, the point isn't necessarily what translation do you memorize in? The point is just memorize. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And Rob, I'm in, is a great example of that. Who can, Isn't he? he's got, oh my goodness. His mind is like a steel trap. And he has worked on it so hard. He, yes. he does seem to have a gift in memory, but I think if he were in on this conversation, he would say, <laughs> you guys, I just spent hours doing this, reviewing the passages, tucking mm-hmm. them away. Yeah. yeah. I know one of my Sunday school teachers um, in college, he, he was a great memorizer of scripture. And he was like, guys, this is my system. I have a file card. And every verse that I memorize, I write down on an index card and, or a file box. And so every morning I go through the verse that I'm, verses that I'm memorizing, and then I choose two or three verses to review. So while I'm sitting at breakfast, while I'm drinking my coffee, that's what I'm doing. And yep, I'm like, stays fresh. that is quite the discipline. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's very similar to the approach that I took. And I would just, I just had a box of index cards and I would either just handwrite, just, just like reading in Psalm 139 and coming across a passage that, that mm-hmm. struck me as being particularly beautiful. I think it's in Psalm 139 where it talks about God going before us and coming behind us. I, I don't remember actually mm-hmm. where that one is, but you know, I'd, I'd write it out on the card and then, and then I kind of had little, um, uh, topical index where I would put it in with other verses. And it was interesting how many themes began to surface as being ones that God was consistently speaking to me about. And Mm. then I would just try to work through those. The other thing that I found really convenient, and it's so easy to do uh, with um, home copiers, is I would just copy that page of scripture and do (laughs) the opposite of Thomas Jefferson. I would (laughs) cut out the passage that I was wanting to hang on to. And just tape it on the index card. And it just was so quick to be able to do that. Just yeah. to cut paste and throw it in where I wanted. Yeah. 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 There's lots of different tools that are available. If you mm-hmm. want to memorize scripture, I'm thinking of the navigators. Um, they have some really great tools that you can look up. Probably I'm sure on their website to find. They call the TMS, a topical memory system. Topical yeah. memory system. Right. Right. I was thinking of the wheel. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, right. what was it? That's what I, that's what I worked on in high school, but um, not that I've done a good job of retaining it. Yeah. And, but, and I think the the power of memorizing scripture, and I'm guessing you would say something similar, Michelle is. Yeah. It's, it's not, there's no, there's no spiritual virtue in committing something to memory. It doesn't make us a, mm. in and of itself uh, a more Christ-like person, but in my experience, by my memorizing a passage of scripture, it's it it's really like taking a portion of scripture and handing it to the Holy Spirit, saying, mm-hmm. "Here, use this any way you want because it's it's available now, mm-hmm. and you can just push the button that lights it up, and I can I can see it, um, and or push the button that plays it, and I can hear it. And there have been so many times when portions of scripture that I've committed to memory mm-hmm. are brought back to mind in a particular moment." Um, in a moment of temptation or a moment of challenge or a moment of conflict or, or just as I'm out on a walk and, and worshiping God Mm -hmm. and uh, it, it it lets the spirit of God 
bring to life the word of God all over again in a particular moment in for me. Mm-hmm. And that's and then it, then it becomes a transformative tool. Right. It's um, yeah. I, for me, I am I am more visual, and so I have. I've been studying the Bible for a very long time and I was doing Bible study fellowship when my children were little. And so of course with, with babies, they, they tear out the pages. And so it was looking a little rough and I went, I went through great lengths to make sure I got the exact same Bible. um, So that, because if I can think of, Oh, I read that passage when we were studying Genesis and it was on the left side of the page in the this second column, right. Yeah. Then I can find it pretty easily. Yeah. <laughs> but if, you know, so, and even if I have like a phrase or something memorized, um, then it's much easier to find if I don't yeah. have the actual address or reference to it. Um, so, and I think one of the things that um, is helpful when we think about the Bible and we see, I mean, I guess I have one here. And we see all these pages and you think, well, I might have read a thicker book than this, but it, you know, it wasn't the Bible. It just somehow it feels a little bit harder sometimes to think about reading the Bible from cover to cover than, you know, reading a Tom Clancy novel or something that might be thicker. Um, But, but the thing that I have found over the years of studying is that it's, it's the, it's the investment of chunks of time, you know? So it's the investment of spending 10, 15 minutes a day reading through a passage or going, you know, or doing my um, study through Bible study fellowship or reading my devotional through the Psalms. Um, it's doing that consistently over time is also transformational. Absolutely. Because it's another means of, I mean, I, Sharon loves using the phrase abiding life practices as a way of describing spiritual disciplines. And I think it's a perfect expression yeah. because it's, it's all about drawing closer to God, abiding with him. And then it's a life practice. It's something we, we um, just try to incorporate into life on a regular basis. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think the, whole purpose of all of the spiritual disciplines of all the abiding life practices is each one of them just puts us in closer proximity to God and mm-hmm. gives, let, gives him more access to us. And so every time I have the pages of the Bible open, I am, I am drawing myself closer to God and giving him more immediate access to my heart. And then, and then he is able to be about his transformative work as a result. Hmm. I love the, um, I love the idea of, you know, when we talk about um, Jesus being the word and that it's just, there's just so many metaphors um, in scripture that just kind of layer one upon each other, right? Like Jesus says, this is my body, take and eat in communion. And he is the word. And then we read scripture and, you know, so like all of this is kind of coming together in my head in, Absolutely. in the moment. And I'm kind of like, I don't know how to articulate it, but, um, but it's just, it's so deep and rich 
And it's like memorizing scripture, reading scripture daily. It's like eating the scripture, which allows the Holy Spirit to transform us from the inside out. And the whole idea of Jesus's word is actually where the message ended on Sunday. And the, mm-hmm. um, you know, Jesus, if, if the, if the word is, goes back to what's between those covers. If, if the word is God's obligations and expectations and requirements, mm-hmm. um, then what does it mean that Jesus is the word? He's the one who has come to burden us and to, to mm. condemn us, to judge us. He's the one who's come to scold us. He's the one to come and, and expose us. But if, if, the, if the heart of God's dealings with humanity is in order to draw us into relationship with himself and his word is the way he speaks his heart to us, then mm. to think mm. of Jesus being the way, the ultimate way that God speaks his heart to us, coming to us, taking the initiative, coming from heaven to earth, to mm-hmm. to um, to make himself known, to reveal his his glory and his grace and and love, and, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, so you have to think again. I would just think there there we fall into these ways of thinking of God as somehow pushing us away. Uh, mm. One of the worst expressions of that, I think, is something that sounds so close to gospel truth, which is that God is angry with us and Jesus need to, needed to appease his anger on the cross. Mm. Well, no, wait, God so loved the world. God is, it takes offense at our sin, mm. but our sin is not us. And God uh you know, there's penalty that's required for our sin. It, it is an affront to his holy character, but it doesn't mean he is sitting there fuming at us because he hates us or doesn't like us or is ticked at us or whatever. It, um, and I love how Jesus exposes the heart of God. What mm. God, God writes his deepest heart and sends it to us. And that deepest heart of his is Jesus, the word giving voice to the love of God and his desire to bring us into relationship with himself. So that's why Jesus says, you know, you understandably, because it is such a treasure, but you search these scriptures thinking you're going to find eternal life there. And you're not, you're Mm. mistaken in that pursuit because these point to me, this, this, all of this is an arrow that points to me as the ultimate expression of the heart of God. Mm. Yes. And we are thankful for that. We're thankful for Jesus. Yeah. Any last thoughts before we say goodbye? Well, I was just thinking, uh, I mean, I didn't really have a chance to, to, uh, to go here just because of time on Sunday morning, but, um, but I just thought, you know, one of the, I think one of the really cool expressions that's been used over the ages to describe Christianity, um, is that we are people of the book. Hmm. I, I remember, I mean, I actually have this, um, this really cool woven bag that I received as a gift from Nepal. And every Christian has one and it's the perfect size to slide your Bible into. And it's the thing that 
it's like you can look across uh, the public square and see someone and know they're a Christian because they've got one of these carrying their word around with them. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, um, you know, it's, it's really fun to have a sermon on this. It's really fun to be able to hear kids uh, sharing scripture memory, or scripture they've memorized in their hearts. It's, it's really cool to think, wow, this is how God has made himself known. And I just thought, let's be people of the book. Let's let that be our yes to God as he makes this covenant relationship with us possible. Mm-hmm. It says in Exodus 24 that all the people together say, um, yes, we will obey this. But I think the, the invitation from God is, yes, we will, we will let this lead us back to him. Well, mm. we will, we will receive the word of God. Uh, we will be people who actively dive into it and study it and, and tuck it away in our hearts and let it shape our, our feelings and our thinking and our affections mm-hmm. because of the intended purpose for it, which is God drawing near to us and inviting us near to him. Mm. Yeah. So let's be people of the book. Let's be people of the book. Amen. Thank you, David, for joining me today and joining our audience. And thank you to our audience for joining us, whether you joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. We are thankful for the moments of time that you gave to us today. And let's be people of the book.